1: Drinking with Authors, the podcast. I am your host, Erica Lance. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Pretty please. I say that now while you're actually listening. So reach out. And touch those little buttons on your phone that we'd, we'd appreciate, especially before you start drinking with us. And if you get a chance, um, leave a review. We're going to remind you at the end of the podcast when you're drunk to leave a review because drunk reviews are the best reviews. Of course, if you want to be on the podcast, you can email us at drinkingwithauthors@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Or if there's an author you'd like us to hunt down and find and get on the podcast, we will Stop. do the same. So email us drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com and our sponsor today is skunk brother spirits coupon code dwa 10 they are amazing they have some awesome recipes coming out for fall so please 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 check them out and with that my co-host today the i have to make up another word so it can go on the back of my shirt the magnanimous (laughs) gotta write that one down magnanimous CR Rice is joining us today. And our guest today is Anna Salheim. Okay. (laughs) So let's talk about what we're drinking first, and then we'll talk about you. So, in Drinking with Author Swag, which I think there's a contest that's going to come out soon so you can win some Drinking with Author Swag, I decided because I just got over COVID. morning there might be some coughs throughout this podcast I greatly apologize but um is what I call gin and juice but it's not really per the definition it's grapefruit juice and I put a little gin in it to you know spice it up and I have some water CR what are you drinking today because those cups you showed moments ago were amazing I have
0: I I'm doing um like hot chocolate and Bailey's and I do not want to run out so I I figured I would just make and, and it's in my like holiday ones because i get new ones every year Corey's always like ah, you can do whatever you want no big deal if you break them you get new ones next year so this one was actually really cool i'm a fan it's like the incurable itch wolf claw
2: powder i'm a fan yeah
1: so yeah. i got two just in case well that's a double fisting we need to do that anna
2: what are you drinking <laughs> i am drinking a giant uh ice water and a mini can of diet coke because it is the middle of the week and i cannot get drunk until the weekend because i have a very hard time waking up the day next
1: no i understand that's why we invented a podcast so we can just say it's for for yeah. for, for celebrity reasons we get drunk <laughs> <laughs> it's part of our job description mm-hmm. yeah exactly mm-hmm. anna tell the listeners who may not know what you write
2: uh so i am a short form cartoonist located in baltimore um I do mostly autobiographical work about mental health. Um, I also do, I'm working on a book about uh, both mental and physical disability um, and how it pertains to my artistic practice. And I occasionally do fiction as well, but I'm primarily a cartoonist that does narratives under 40 pages.
1: Very, very cool. cool. So when did you decide to kind of go down these artistic
2: endeavors? So I have always been interested in comics. I read them ferociously. And then I found a meetup group called Square City Comics in DC. Uh, and I got involved with them and I realized I wanted to take this really seriously because I'd always loved the idea of making comics and I had done little fits and starts, but I had never really um, taken it incredibly or very seriously. And then... Uh, My father had just died, and I had received a small inheritance, and I had been working at a wonderful day job at a rehabilitation center in Bethesda, and um, so I applied to get my MFA in comics from the Center for Cartoon Studies, and that was in 2000, so I started really making comics in 2013, and then started school 2014, graduated, and I've just been making comics ever since.
1: That's very cool because I would think that's actually like a lot of kids dream like I'm going to grow up and I'm going to make comics and very rarely do you meet somebody that got to fulfill that dream and grow up and make comics. Yeah,
2: <laughs> very well, mm-hmm, sorry. No, I was just uh, I, I think <laughs> I'm not necessarily professionally. I actually just started working in an AmeriCorps program um, as well where I will be teaching. Um, when does this come out? I don't know. Is it going to be a
0: surprise? <laughs> it's
2: going to be a couple of months, but. Okay, go perfect. Ahead. Okay, perfect. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Uh, it didn't happen like tomorrow. No, um, it, no it certainly will not. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so I am currently in an AmeriCorps program that is partnering with MICA, the Maryland Institute College of Art. Um, and so I will be teaching um, comics to a refugee program here in the city. For middle school and high schoolers um so that yeah so that'll be actually kind of my main source of income I do make comics more as a passion hobby thing than as a career kind of deal no that makes sense so what are the comics that you make um so I have my flagship series everything's fine which is about when I I it's about my I My line for it is uh, my uplifting and relatable look at anxiety and depression. Um, but it really, I also am rapid cycle depressive bipolar. But when I had first, I didn't get that diagnosis until a couple years after because I started actually understanding that bipolar disorder is a spectrum. And because I don't get manic, when I had first started seeing my psychologist, like our psychiatrist, like a decade ago, they just called me a quote unquote unique case. Um, The medications haven't really changed for the most part, uh, but that's it's really just about mental health in general. Um, I currently, I have a book called Three Terrible Dogs about my three terrible dogs. Uh, They're terrible (laughs) because they're poorly behaved, but they're perfect because they're dogs. Um, I've got, oh my goodness, I am so sorry. Specifically turn that off. Where did I just the... put? Oh, here it is. Um very sorry. Um and I I've done a zine about dreams. I did a zine horror story about a congressional intern because I have intern Senate intern experience, stuff like that. So it's a bunch of one-off things. And I've been in multiple anthologies as well.
1: Very cool. What about your writing? So you said you wrote. Um, like autobiographical or, or stuff, right? Mm. What have
2: you written there? So the autobiographical work is the book I'm working on. Um, uh, and the Everything's Fine series is autobiographical. Um, I also do some prose comics criticism on a website called Soulrad, which is like a pay by article kind of deal. Uh, and then, yeah, the writing of everything else, the, all the other writing. It, I write everything except for Uh, The Intern, that horror congressional story, was a uh, collaboration between me and another writer. Very, very cool. And what is the fiction you said you were working on? So, fiction-wise, the last fictional thing I did was called Normal, which is a uh, 48-page zine about finding normalcy after the apocalypse. Um, That is a uh, fictional series that is very heavily influenced by COVID, but actually the idea came before COVID, but I used it as a way to process my feelings about COVID. Okay. Um, so like a lot of my artistic practice is very therapeutic and and kind of about processing multiple issues, which is also what I will be teaching as well, is some of okay. the like therapeutic aspects of creating art and writing.
1: Okay. Okay. Very cool. Um so when did you when did but so going back when did this all kind of start? When
2: did you go I'm going to create stories? Okay. So I this is actually what the book is about as well. Um I was isolated a lot as a child either because of bullying or I have a bone disease called osteogenesis imperfecta. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Unbreakable. Oh Listen yeah. To- okay, so I have Samuel Jackson's disease, but I have a more mild version. So I have broken seven major bones and then more fingers and toes. And I can count. I've lost track of how many fingers and bones or toes. So in kindergarten, I broke my right leg. And in first grade, I broke my left leg. And because of that and bullying, I I had to stay at the nurse's office during recess because of the broken leg. And then with bullying happening pretty much consistently throughout... Uh, until probably the end of sixth grade uh mm, around there you know maybe until the end of fourth grade or whatever but i kind of used creating art and a and creating stories as a way to process and escape the trauma i was experiencing
1: that makes sense
2: yeah um everybody kind of
0: needs something to to escape especially if you're you're in a bullying situation and art seems to be the number one thing art and music are the number one things Which is a heck of a lot better than going to somebody smaller than you and beating the crap out of them. Cause I think that's like the third option, isn't it?
2: It's like you become a musician,
0: an artist, or a bully yourself.
2: Well, I think that, I think that so. It's definitely one of the more healthier coping mechanisms, right? Like I have unhealthy ones too. Um, For example, I create, I like started, I had a binge eating disorder that I'm currently kind of unraveling. Um, And like food was a coping mechanism as well. But in terms of creating art, I think that part of the reason that there are so many stories in writing and art and music in general about feeling isolated and alone is because I think people that create art and writing and music in any form of like, creative people tend to be more hypersensitive. And I think a lot of them share like having those stories of isolation, um, which is part of the reason with the kids I'm teaching, I want them to also not only am I am I teaching them comics, but I'm also nurturi- nurturing a safe space where they can create their own therapeutic, artistic practice to deal with. Because these are all refugee children, coming from all over the world. That Baltimore is a very big refugee city, and so I like on. I want to make it a. I, it's a two pronged approach where you want to have them have a safe space where they can work through their trauma, even if it's not super directly, but also self-soothe it through their artistic practice and grow it to be like a wonderful coping mechanism and also a form of self-expression as their adults. No, I think that's
1: amazing. And that's gonna be very helpful and, and touch a lot of lives. Mm-hmm. When you
2: started doing comics, what was your inspiration? So I read comic strips a lot as a kid um really was into Dilbert really loved Doonesbury loved Garfield obviously like it was kind of I loved very strong opinions love Kathy hardcore Kathy fan to this day um and then I think with a lot of my generation um in around like 99 2000 a bunch of manga and anime started like flooding excuse me the market in this country um specifically with comics it was really like superhero comics and comic book shops had really been seen as like a male only space and so when manga and anime were introduced a lot of it was geared towards women and like teenage girls flocked to it and so I became really into um like a lot of anime but I was so young that like I didn't realize it's not a genre it's a medium And so I was consuming both a lot of really good stuff, but also a ton of garbage. And when I say garbage, I don't mean, you know, message wise, it's problematic. What I mean is like, oh, this is like very poorly made and annoying and bad. And so I started taking a hard, around high school, I just, I hadn't really internalized the problem. Oh, well maybe you should curate both, like like just good uh, manga and anime. But I kind of was like, I'm done with this completely. And I wouldn't, I stopped, um, yeah, I stopped reading it for like a decade and I started going into what I would call like sad sack indie white boy comics where like there'd be a guy and he'd be in the shower and he'd say, my girlfriend broke up with me and I'm sad and then I masturbated in here and you know, like it's just kind of, and then you have four panels of him being sad in the shower, but I loved it and couldn't get enough of it. And then I kind of blossomed into, in the last few decades, I feel like, and obviously this is with prose writing too, a lot more voices that weren't maybe available in the early 2000s have become much more mainstream. And so really since that, uh, like Inception as a kid, I'm still heavily into independent comics but primarily like self-published little zine stuff versus say, a superhero series um which is something i'm not unless it's very unless it's really spectacular i'm not going to be very invested in it um but yeah so it's just started from childhood very cool what are some of your favorites uh so there's a manga that ended recently called dated uh oh goodness it's destruction destruction so in japan they like to shorten manga titles they like to shorten manga titles to three sentences there's three syllables this guy made a manga that is so long title wise that he didn't want it to get shortened but it is shortened to did it Linda Perry is a author that's fabulous um again I think some early Kathy stuff is great uh for better or for worse is great stuff like that um yeah. So your comics that you've written, because Kathy and manga.
1: <laughs> those are two it's very weird. different things. Ooh. Like even yeah, like, like to sort of and, and
0: right. Shonen. Like those, there are so many different types. And I don't think there is a manga that's anything like an actual comic strip.
2: So I will say that Tezuka did there are comic strips. It's just like a lot of it's not translated into English. Um, but uh, and I have a couple good ones of though. There's one called like Oh goodness! See if I could go to my bookshelf. I don't know if that's. We're allowed. not. We're
1: not going to bookshelves. Yeah. That's totally fine. That's
2: totally fine. Yeah. Yeah, I have a wide variety of of like favorites. You know, when it comes to prose, the thing I've been like consuming recently is Stephen Fry's mythology uh, uh trilogy. Oh, yeah. yeah, and his reading on it in the book is just absolutely fantastic. Um, my boyfriend, when it comes to prose, also has been getting me into Discworld, but like very curated.
0: So this girl's amazing.
2: Yeah, so Unseen Academicals was wonderful and it was actually mm-hmm. really Unseen Academicals speaking of like kind of the nerdy girl like you know seeing themselves in uh what is the name of the protagonist? Um the the protagonist in that book that's I kind of that but she's so Julie Juliet is the is a friend.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it's not her. That's okay. okay. CR will look it up. We'll have yeah. it in moments. So, I so, actually have that book.
2: The protagonist in that book is someone that works incredibly hard and is kind of underappreciated until the, uh, the mushroom people. I'm sorry. Mushroom. Yes. So, and um and I could see a lot of nerdy girls related to relating to that. Um and I kind of self-identified with that um also as I was reading it and then my mind was kind of blown when I really evaluated my life because I really am not like that character but she's so relatable in the core of like feeling uh, of being underappreciated and actually being incredibly spectacular um so yeah really when it comes to prose I've been going through the mythos series and discworld have been the last couple um have been the last couple prose series I don't I can't really find confirmation that the odyssey is coming out would you happen to know that as a literary podcast if like so, stephen fry is doing the odyssey i don't know i don't know that no. uh, yeah i have look it up cr is stephen <laughs>
1: fry doing the odyssey let's because find out yeah yeah live uh, for our viewers it's not live it's recent, but yeah
2: yeah live um, now <laughs> and then and then uh but yeah i i have like there's there's just a bunch of really good. Yeah, it says he's doing it. It
0: says there's no chosen small themes. It will grapple with you know during this one man odyssey love war piece, three shows in one. That sounds
2: really boring. No, Stephen Fry makes it amazing. It, it's it's super <laughs> it's super catty and gossipy too. It's great. Actually, uh, I don't. But I
0: don't
2: know. anyway, um. Uh, yeah, so I ha- I don't know I can't think of any. Linda Berry's an all time favorite, as I said. Uh, what or- about um? Mm-hmm. Okay, I think my question. Whew, maybe head What are your comics
1: like? Are they written more Magna style or are oh. they written more Kathy style?
2: No, neither. Uh, oh. more sad sack indie style. Um, yeah. So I do everything's fine. Is comic strips? like Kathy, except there's a lot of swearing, um, and they're not necessarily all funny. But uh, everything else is like an a, uh, overarching narrative for the most part. I did a dream zine, which was a bunch of comics and art based on dreams, and the creating of it almost got me put in the Johns Hopkins Psychiatric Hospital, and that story is also in there. Um, wow. Well, so to get into it briefly, cause it is really ridiculous. My mother was having the, with the bone disease, my mother was having experimental surgery. Um, John's, and this was in 2020. So I am like 31 years old, um, or 32, whatever. So my, but this is new year's day, 2020. And, um, I am working on the stream zine and I have one nightmare included, which is about uh, because I wanted it to be overall positive, but I had a nightmare that was processing an argument I had with a friend. And uh-huh. in that comic, the comic character, Nancy, uh, shoots somebody with a gun. And I was drawing that while my mother was in surgery. It turns mm-hmm. out Johns Hopkins had had a shooting a couple years prior. And there was a nurse that like completely flipped out. And called in the head of the mental health facility, and called in like security. They asked me to put the comic pages away. I did, and then they were calling all of my my therapist and my psychiatrist, who both were saying I didn't have any violence in my past. But essentially, they were teaching they were treating me as though I had been a lone isolated teen in school that was like sh- drawings about shooting up their classmates, and. The head surgeon that was working on my mother called them off and said, you are being ridiculous. She's just an artist. But the story of that is also in that particular scene.
1: Wow. Well, that, <laughs> well, that's a way to go about if it. Even it it's simple. Right <laughs> when, when life imitates art. OK. Yeah. Uh, OK, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with Drinking With Authors. Mm-hmm.
2: Hey, Martha. What? Do you like nerd stuff? I do. And do you like adult beverages? I super do. <laughs> well, then you should join us with a drink. With a drink. With a drink. On, but first, let's, let's talk, talk nerdy. Click Clink. <laughs> on the ESO Network. We'll see you
1: on Tuesday. Maybe
2: next Tuesday. Maybe.
1: Our sponsor today on Drinking With Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Gunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Rose Inc. Or visit their site, www.skunkbrothersspirits.com, and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to read 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brothers Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get Skunk. back so um you were talking about your literary so as far as you write a lot of narrative but you're are you writing a full book now is that your goal with the
2: um yeah so my full book it's going to be about 150 pages uh I'm working with an editor that has a couple of ideas like the indie comics community I'm part of is very small but at the same time indie comics it's 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 it is bizarre how both big and small independent comics are. Um, So the editor I'm working with has some ideas of who will publish it. Um, And uh, it's about 150 pages and it's essentially a bunch of short autobiographical stories, excuse me, autobiographical stories about my relationship to art and how like, so I, I talk about different art in the book as well uh as well as how it influenced my creative practice okay
0: so is it like a book do you also have drawings in it or is it a just comic just a book. book
2: yeah it's a, it's a graphic oh, comic
1: okay. Comic book. oh okay. okay
2: oh okay oh i thought three. it
1: was a fiction book that's what yeah was that's what that's oh. where i was getting off yeah. no that's okay it might it might be the jim and the baileys you know <laughs> chelsea she's yeah, got the I, I, I have trust. two
0: cups i'm trying to keep even <laughs>
1: Oh, trust what she's saying about what we're thinking, because that's that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, what, if, what, um, oh my goodness, my question. So, what, um, is your writing process? That's what I'm trying to ask, and the words don't seem to. Hello, COVID. Didn't drink for a couple of weeks. I'm doing good. Okay.
2: So, um, what is your process? It, it depends on the story. Um autobio like i have i'm a very intuitive writer um i refuse to even try to start any story unless the ending is completely crystallized in my mind if i don't have an ending i'm not pursuing a story comics take too much time i don't have enough time in my lifetime to be like going down paths without an ending um In terms of fiction, usually I will collect little thoughts, put it in a note app or in my sketchbook. And same thing with autobio long term. And then there's thumbnailing, which is essentially the writing portion, like the rough draft, where you have the panel layout and then the writing is in the panel. And then most people have multiple steps after that. I just go straight to the drawing after that. Okay. And... I'm assuming you do the artwork yourself as well, right? I do, yes. Mm-hmm. Are you also the colorist? Depends on if I'm, if I'm working in color, yes. Uh, I'm Not all of my stuff is in color. Like normal is a black and white graphite created zine. Um, Three Terrible Dogs is done in pen and ink and is a black and white zine. Everything's fine, it's done in color. And uh, yeah, all the color I do, Dream Zine has color and black and white And all of that is done by me as well. Because for me, the art is, for me, the writing is kind of the work that I don't want to do, but I have to do in order to get to draw because uh, with the writing, you have to focus and be 100% present and concentrating. But once you can start drawing, there's a sense of being present but you can also turn your mind off and listen to a podcast like yours and then just enjoy the meditative act of drawing. That's
1: very cool. Um, let's talk about feedback you've gotten on your comics. So when did you first hear feedback on any of the stuff you put out? Um,
2: so, huh. So when before I went to school, um, really it was just kind of met with You know, kind of no one really cared. No one was particularly interested. Um, At school, people were, they weren't expecting a lot of me based on what I came in with. I think a lot of people were impressed with how quickly I developed and I became one of the stronger storytellers in my class. Um, And then online, I started having some Tumblr comics that went viral. And through over, throughout the years, just doing conventions and being on social media, I have what I would call like a very loyal but small audience. So they're an audience that really digs a lot of what I do, but it's not incredibly big. Um, and then it runs a gamut in terms of um, reaction. You know, strangers might read a very short comic on my table and be like, this is the most intense thing in the world and I'm gonna put it down, ask if you're okay and walk away. But then someone else will pick it up and be like, I feel seen in this, I'll give you my $6. Um, And uh, yeah, it just, it really varies. Um, I know that uh, there's a lot of like larger name cartoonists that promote me and say, why isn't she a bigger deal? I get that asked, I get that question asked. It's always very, it's very sweet intended um it just is kind of it makes you feel really weird um but yeah so you run the gamut from people finding me no one really i mean no one's really critiquing my art people i'm i'm a good artist people aren't really messing with that um but either if anyone has a problem with a piece of art or a piece of one of my comics it's usually that it's too intense for them nothing in terms of um nothing in terms of like lack of quality um and but i yeah i got a diehard like small fan base and i love them and i've made i've made so many connections through my work too cuz i it, it's for me and i don't think this is common but for me comics is incredibly social um i've met most of my best friends i'm part of a couple of comicing groups here in baltimore and dc and i met my boyfriends like i i've met so many friends and family through comics i'm going to be tabling this is going to date this, but I'm going to be tabling at the small press expo in, in Bethesda this weekend. So, um, but it is the largest small press comic convention on the East coast. And like, I'm just so excited to see everybody. Um, so yeah, that's a big thing also with my artistic practice that I'm very grateful for is because I'm, I can't turn it off and I can't turn my personality off no matter what. And it's gotten me both into trouble, but it's helped me really kind of establish a group of friends and family that I don't have to hide myself from. Um, and because that's also in my work, if you're going to like my comics, you're going to like me. And so I've just, I've really kind of created a wonderful community with myself through my work and I couldn't ask for anything more.
0: Do you do one shots for like your, do you do one shots for like your conventions and stuff just to like bring people in and keep them interested for like that one special
2: scene that maybe they wouldn't have before? So actually I have a Patreon and the model of it is that I use the money to pay for printing costs for a hundred zines. And they're not done based on, so Whether I reorder them isn't based on how they sell at like one convention, but if I have a hard time moving something, I'm not going to reorder it versus something that I, you know, sells very well. And obviously I'm going to be reordering it. So, and for me, the Patreon is such a amazing thing because I am people like, I think that there's a very irritating aspect to certain people that talk about actually living in poverty and where they... Pretend they're well off, but they pretend you know they're poor because it's punk or whatever. But like I am, I am making only the AmeriCorps stipend, and then I'm on food stamps. I'm on rental assistance. Like I'm on a lot of different programs. I am very poor, and literally that Patreon, because I make the two hundred something dollars every. It's per zine too. I don't do it every month, but because I have that two hundred something dollars to test run an a hundred print run of anything I want to do. That is the only reason I can make comics is at Patreon. So um it's not done based for show, but again, after the Patreon zines are out to all the subscribers, it, depending on how it goes, there are a lot of comics I'll never reprint for sure that are out there.
1: That's very cool. So when you go to do the show, so Jen met you at the American Libraries Association conference. Yes. Right. um what was that like for you
2: so that was that was a really interesting show I've never been to anything like that before um my friend just we were we were in the zine pavilion me and my friend Teresa uh who is also the co-host of my podcast which is not nearly as uh polished a deal as this one but we have (laughs) a we have a podcast called make art talk shit where we make art and talk shit and then we'll have guests on to make art and talk shit um but uh that was really interesting. Cause I just like, didn't know anything uh, about it. I like, I didn't have to pay for that convention and I understand that there are people that pay for weekend passes, you know, which are like over $200, but it's cause they're getting thousands of dollars in books for free. Like I, I get it. I thought it was incredibly well run. It was a total blast. Um, it was just a huge eye opening experience. I didn't get a lot of free books. Um, I did go to, I was uh, before, I hadn't started AmeriCorps yet. So I went to um, their resume and like career advice center, which is very helpful as well. Um, So yeah, I I thought it was great, but it's nothing like any other show I've done before. We were just there to like sell zines, but I reconnected with old friends. I'm friends with Tilly Walden and I hadn't seen her forever. She's doing a signing for Clementine, which is, the Walking Dead's new graphic novel, or something like that, and um, I saw a bunch of my old friends at at big publisher tables. Um, but yeah, that that show was really great, and I met a lot of cool people.
1: And how would how was because you know it's the American Libraries Association, so it's a, a somewhat conservative crowd in a way, to a degree, right? how do you think your, your, how did it go with you and your com, your zines and stuff like that with that crowd? I'm not saying all librarians are conservatives, so no hate mail. Thank you very much. I'm just saying in general, some of them tend to be, you know, scholastically geared and things like that. So,
2: so yeah, I was actually surprised. I was surprised by how progressive everybody was personally. Um, but then again, like I don't have a lot of kid zines. So, if you're looking for children's literature, I don't really have, besides three terrible dogs, I don't really have a ton of stuff to offer you. I was shocked that I sold anything because so, we're, the Zine Pavilion was one of the few places you could pay for a book. They're giving out so much free stuff, but you know, they had like amazing tote bags everywhere, but people love my tote bags enough. They were buying my tote bags. Um, but I think, you know, the best anecdote I think I got was, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Ruby Cower the poet okay she's an online um she's an online instagram sensation and now all poets want to be like ruby cower no capitalization because of aesthetic reasons um but we had so and it's kind of it's it's there it's very much kind of seems like teen baby's first dramatic poem where it's it's obvious she went through some stuff but it's kind of uh it's just kind of dramatic and and it's it's very instagram and i we did a spoof of her zine with for a zine for our podcast called half and half cuz her zine her book is called milk and honey um okay. and so we had that zine and a librarian picked it up and she was like oh my god i love this and she says I have my teenagers look at my teenagers love Rupee Cower, and all I can think is at least they're reading. Um, but in terms of uh uh yeah, I I I there was there were a lot of I was in line for a um I was in line for an LGBTQ uh, uh themed um book for teens out, that was coming out from DC. and I was listening to two authors based in rural Georgia that were looking for more queer books for their kids. and they were so excited about it. And they actually name dropped a couple friends of mine that didn't do queer books, but uh, my friend Robin Smith did a Wonder Woman book uh, for, except like, no, it's not Wonder Woman. It, it's no, it's not one, but they did a book with uh, DC. Um, that was very like black centric with a black character. And so I was like surprised to hear that kind of thing. Um, So I didn't really experience any of the conservatism. I know that there was an incident uh, with somebody else in a different area because the table across from me or the table next to me was asked to like help console uh, somebody that was very bigoted about having LGBTQ stuff in children's work that had approached them but in terms of my personal experience i hadn't dealt with i didn't deal with any conservative audience at all but i think that's another thing is if you're if you interact with me for five seconds you know i'm not gonna like vibe with you and you're probably just gonna move on as opposed to uh confront me or uh give fad feedback you know you're just like oh thanks and then you leave you know so now
1: that makes sense. Have you looked at um, or have you pushed your books to go
2: through a comic sort of distributor versus doing the zines? So I'm part of one distrib- i'm I'm part of one distribution service. So comic distribution services are different than um, than uh, normal prose distribution services because a lot of time the rules for comic books are different in terms of they can't return unsold books. So there was a monopoly until recently, um, but like in terms of large chains, they're only dealing with either publishing houses that deal with both prose books and graphic novels. So say like Random House, or they're dealing with a distributor called Diamond. But when you go into your local shop, you have a lot of smaller distribution companies. So there is a guy named Billy who is doing a district, uh, he's creating a distro right now. It's in the works. And I will be part of that. But personally, I like going to, uh, to uh, places and putting stuff, like going to comic shops and putting stuff on consignment that way. Um, some of my, the anthologies I've been in deal with different distros as well, right? Because some of them have actually been like well acc- acclaimed and won awards and stuff like that. But um it's not that I'm it's not that I'm against it. I really just didn't have uh I haven't really pursued it very much. I'm looking to do that more in the future. You know, that makes sense. That
1: makes sense. Okay. Chelsea, final question, and then we're gonna do shameless self-promotion time. Do you wanna draw something different than what you are now?
0: Like I know you said <clears throat> you do a lot of like mental health and you do the stuff with your dogs and all that. Have you ever thought of doing like a a manga style thing since you did enjoy it for such a
2: long period of time. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Of course you're fucking of course I don't know, man, I'm, I'm new. We've like podcast. nine I'm times. In. Like, okay. what? <laughs> so anytime a westerner tries to make manga, it looks like shit. So no, I'm not going to try anything manga related. That being said, normal- but it's experience. just a drawing style. No, no, no. I you know really, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, but what I mean, I do fiction as well. Fiction is way more fun to draw. So I like drawing right. fiction better. Everything's fine is done with an abstract avatar because that is more fun to draw than, um, than uh, say myself literally. I am my next story idea. There's two projects I can work on next and both of them are gonna be fictional. I haven't decided which one I'm doing yet, but I definitely enjoy drawing fiction more because I'm, I like drawing people in cool clothes and I don't have cool clothes. That's kind of the deal. But, uh, you know, honestly, like a big thing is, is that with my products that I have tabling, you know, my buttons and my stickers, tote bags, that's where I get out a lot of the drawing, like stuff that isn't me, you know? Um, Like I have a puzzle I did that's just kind of a group scene, stuff like that. And that's really, that is where I really get to go unleash kind of a non-Anna specific art but that being said, I cannot wait for this book to be done because I've been working on it for like over a year and I want to be able to draw anything, uh, you know, I do get to draw cool stuff in it. Like I got to draw, uh, oh my goodness, Anna, what is the name? Lamasu from uh, like Assyria, that kind of thing. But yeah, whatever my next project is, I'm definitely taking a break from Autobio and going to be doing a fictitious story for sure.
1: Very cool. Okay. Shameless self-promotion time. How do people find you?
2: Talk about your Patreon, your websites. Oh God. I feel like this is, um, so I'm at AnnaSelheim.com. You can read a lot of my comics for free at AnnaSelheim.com. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, and Tumblr at Anna Selheim. Uh, my Patreon is also at Anna Selheim and my Patreon is per product. So you're not getting charged per month you are getting par- charged every time i do a zine the range in prices is from a dollar which is just a donation 3 dollars you get a digital copy of every zine i do 10 dollars you get a physical copy of any black and white zine i do and a digital copy 15 you get both every color and physical copy and digital copy of every color and black and white zine i do and then a crazy tier where you get original art at a hundred dollars per project and I come out with zines probably four to six every year
1: wow. oh that's very cool awesome well you have been so much fun
2: first time zine person on the podcast to say yeah well who do you primarily do you are you two authors as well you're just getting drinking with authors what yes. kind of work do you do well this Okay, just to sum
1: up about us. <laughs> um, I write horror. Uh, oh, very horror cool. That doesn't have happy endings. Um, oh. I was at DragonCon on a panel, and I said that, and somebody from the audience was like, "I love you," and I was no, like, "No, that's, that's great. Cool. That's um, great. Yeah, it was awesome." And then I also write under a da- uh, uh, name, Dahlia Lance. Uh, I write uh, humorous erotica. Oh, so wow. Those are the okay. two genres that I write, and I write nonfiction stuff too um that will be coming out later this year uh cr what do you write
0: i have been switched i think my new category is young adult dark metaphysical so it's basically dark fantasy it's super fun so but yeah
1: i think it also depends on when amazon decides your category is right? yes it,
0: it is switched <laughs> it, it, depending on what it gets switched to depends on like my ranking and stuff but yeah it's a lot
1: of fun very
2: cool talk about yourself on the podcast at
1: all every now and then we do you should you gotta listen to more episodes I will
2: will, I'm I'm on a backlog of a different podcast I will make sure to catch up on that it's just I feel like like with shameless self-promotion plug time you gotta plug your own stuff
1: oh we trust me we we get drunk and talk about ourselves a lot people are used to us it's fine um But this has been Drinking With Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. Um, My magnificent co-host, I think I've used that one before, is C.R. Wright. She's putting all these on a t-shirt, so it's only going to be mildly awkward. (laughs) Um, Our amazing guest has been Anna Selheim. Don't forget to like and subscribe to us. If you haven't already done that, hit that button right now. And now that you've been drinking along with us, don't forget to leave us a review. I've decided I only want drunk reviews of the show. Just kidding. If you're sober, you can write a review as well. Our sponsor has been Skunk Brothers Spirits. Coupon code DWA10. Check them out. And we will see you guys next time. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network.